this thing. No title again. Uh, yeah, it's uh, coffee for Ken, please. It's already ordered. Okay, coffee, just black. What's that? How would you like the coffee? Oh, just black, thanks. Okay, try welcome. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks very much. Thank you. All right, there we go. Start of another clip. Hang on while I uh, park the car. Ding, ding, ding. Welcome to Dixon Jane's podcast number 830 fucking four. Holy moly. Creeping up there. I'm at Bluffers Park. Haven't been here for quite a while. I usually go to the dog park or lately it's been uh, Bluffers. No, I'm not at Bluffers Park. I'm at Thompson Park. Thompson Park. Take two. I'm at Thompson Park. I usually uh, go to the uh, dog park side. But figured I needed a bigger walk today. So, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to do that. But first, I stopped by um, NW and ordered my free coffee. You probably heard that at the start. God damn, they're hot. Okay, that's why they give you the little sleeve to hold the damn thing. But if I can't hold it, hang on. Yeah, I should feel like, you know, you can't complain about something being too hot, but I'm trying to get that first taste. You know, I can't say it's good coffee. I'm trying. There's The first taste is sort of almost a burnt taste. Like maybe, you know, maybe he does have his settings too high. Maybe it is actually a little burnt from, uh, you know, anything to get a coffee, a cup of coffee this hot. Like nobody could drink it as you pick it up. Now, of course, you go to A&W, what you want is a root beer, you know. And so I don't know why they're pushing this. I don't know why they're insisting I drive up and have a free coffee every day. But uh, here we are. I mean, it's, you can't say there's anything really wrong with it. The very few times I've ever gone to uh, Starbucks and ordered a coffee, you know, and I, I don't do anything fancy. I want to taste coffee. And I found, wow, yeah, there is a difference. I have enjoyed the few Starbucks coffees I've had in the past. By Tim's, you know, the standard order, one cream. That's just okay. It's a warm liquid and it's a friendly taste. Uh, no no problem with it at all. I bought, sorry, I bought cookies to come with me. I was going to buy donuts. I have another Tim Hortons pass, you know, three, six donuts for three forty nine, which is a deal. They're good donuts. Especially when you throw in two of the um, apple fritter. I mean, they're like... Two donuts each. You know, they're huge. You know what my wife does? When they, if you're familiar with the Tim Hortons apple fritter, why wouldn't you be? Um, <laughs> don't have too many international listeners. My wife takes a knife 
and scrapes off all the sugary coating so that she's just left with the bare apple fritter. Like she stands at the sink, and it takes a long time to scrape off every bit of sugar that's on the surface. And always says, I don't know why they put so much on. And I'm thinking, well, I don't know why you asked for a uh, an apple fritter. Uh, and, you know, anyway, that's just a little aside there, a little extra news while we're talking donuts and cookies. So I got these store-bought cookies. They're pretty shitty. I mean, there's nothing like real homemade. My mother used to make chocolate chip cookies. These are, well, God damn, you know they're just from a, a factory pooping them out. But I needed something. Oh yeah, that was the point. I I just decided no man, you got a house, you got boxes of cookies. She usually buys from my son. If you're getting a coffee, you have to have something. So here we are. It's almost at a drinkable temperature now. It's a hot liquid. Um, I guess maybe. Of course, I'm old, you know. I and supposedly our taste buds are gone. Although I've been raving about Naoko's cooking. I just can't identify anything about this to say, you know, if I was to say, all right, come on, write, a, write up a few flavor notes, would you? I don't get any. Hot. Now it's, you know, now it's comfortably hot. Now I can, it's drinkable taste, but, but I keep, Asking myself, what, what's it taste? I can't tell. I mean, I know it's not tea. It's not pop. I mean, I can narrow it down to say, okay, yeah, it is coffee. It's almost like you can picture a stainless steel, or no, no, an old aluminum-style big coffee pot thing beat up and dented that you might have on a camping trip, and it's been sitting... On a grill, you know, like you'd see maybe an old cowboy movie or something. It's got it's tall. It's got a, a spout at the end, and uh, probably a broken handle, and it's full. And you got a you got a, a dirty old mug, and you you pour it in from this big damn thing hot off the uh, fire. That's what it tastes like, and you're grateful to have a hot drink. So you don't complain. You don't talk to the chuck wagon guy and say, Yeah, what kind of coffee is this shit? Serve me something else. You don't do that. You accept it gratefully, you know? You know, otherwise, you know, the next time the guy's going to spit in it. So there you go, folks. That's my A&W coffee review. Maybe I should submit it to them. See if they appreciate my tasting notes. All right. Now, would this be a sad story? An old man with his Down syndrome some son, who, and you know, Down syndrome tend to be chubby. He's quite chubby. He's all bundled up. He's got little feet. And uh, they went out for a walk, and I think they lasted three minutes. I, I mean, in the time I've been making, doing my coffee notes, uh, they went to take their walk and went back. So they had the routing. It probably took quite a while to get them all dressed up like that. And uh, no, 
decided it was too cold today. But on the other hand, it, it's touching. It's the dad's job. He looks more like the granddad, but you, you know he's not. And uh, that was the routing. That's the thing they did. And I, I wonder when they get back home, there'll be the taking off of the winter clothes, the, the boots and the and uh, the heavy coat and the hood, untie the hood. What what's it going to be? What 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 will he do when they get home? Will there be a treat for the uh, for the boy? And I shouldn't say boy because he probably is a man by now. Will there be a treat for him? Will Mama be waiting with something? Will there be another routine? Will there be a favorite video or something that's going to go on? What are they going to do back at their home? I guess it's uh, it's touching the way, and I look the other direction. I see two guys who I think are here all the time in the sort of a, an area for fitness, and I guess they challenge each other. I see they're jumping up and down on the stuff, and they're look like they're ready to box. Whoa, jump up down! Two guys who are fit, and I guess they've got a friendship going there. Yeah, maybe one's a coach. Yeah, and the other one is. Yeah, that's what it looks like. Because the one guy's just shouting commands. Up, uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> you know, and I really don't care what they do when they go back home. I, I don't have any empathy. Or I don't have any interest in their story at all. I don't give a fuck what those guys do when they go home. Uh, I was a little more concerned about... I, I worked with um, people with Down syndrome. I, I spent five... I guess it... Would it add up to five years of my life uh, working with um, what were, when I first started, mentally retarded adults, and that included a category, and sometimes it was just people with um, um, other issues, and maybe they weren't really all that mentally slow, but they had just never been trained because of their physical disabilities back in the day. You just put them away somewhere in an institution or something. Uh, and you know, to this day, I can, I'm picturing Betty and I can't remember his name and people who were just so full of love and gentleness and kindness and people who you just loved being around. And I, I mean that in just all sincerity. It, it was just, I did, I worked at a, a sheltered workshop in Vancouver or my earlier jobs and there was there was Malcolm with the hallucinations who ripped a shirt of mine to shreds uh, of just having a bad time, just screaming and just lost it. And didn't mean, didn't want to hurt me, but was seen to be having these horrible hallucinations. And and you had to be very careful of Malcolm. And yet, when somebody else was upset or crying, Malcolm would be the first one there to to look after them. Uh, Dougie, Dougie was the one who was bright. But quirky is not a very good description, but uh, just had his ways. Often we had them doing tasks, you know, putting screws into containers and so on. Uh, now I'm in Vancouver. Yeah, that was the shelter workshop in Vancouver and later became a shrink rack being company of which I was the president, named the company Amity Packaging and uh, ran that for a while. <clears throat> I think that featured in the uh, in the book, maybe my work there in West Vancouver. Started off North Vancouver, uh, 
And then I worked at a, a group home here in Toronto, 1400 Shepherd and Assessment Centre for people when the government decided to close the big facilities where they were all locked up in and bring them back into communities. And this was when they'd gone from associations for mentally retarded to community living. And my job is to assess individuals as they came in, work with them every day, and write up reports on what they're what they were capable of and not capable of and what might be a good placement for them. That was very interesting. That was just before I went to Nigeria. Finished that in 1980, this summer. And I had already applied for Nigeria. I knew I was going. And uh, often working shifts, you know, over Christmas and stuff. I was here in Toronto. So that would have been, uh, yeah, 79. I guess I was in Toronto a couple of times. And then a group home outside of um, the Kemp Merrickville area, brand new group home that worked. That's where I had uh, accidentally led to somebody being hospitalized because uh, when I assigned him his pills in the morning, I gave him the whole container and he took the whole container. And uh, afterwards, we had a new policy about administering meds. He was saved. He was okay. After his stomach was pumped, um, I felt a little bad when I went to see him in the hospital, especially walking in, being the guy who put him there. And you had these, uh, just some wonderful, just a lot of eccentric people. And maybe, I guess what I'm getting at here is they were unique individuals, every one of them. And I was talking about when, when I talked about Dougie. When Dougie came in the morning, he'd squint, he didn't see well. And he'd kind of scrunch his whole body up and come up to you slowly like a like a, a an animal might, a, a dog or something, a little nervous, and come up and then he'd just touch your leg. He'd just touch you. And you you were always happy. And I, I know I've told this story before, but uh, it, it, it just it thrills me reliving it. Because you felt happy. You were just, Dougie gave you his touch. That was his connection. And make these... Weird, almost squawking noises. Uh, a little, just strange little noises I couldn't even begin to imitate. And, and you knew that was his greeting to you in the morning. And then it was always a smile and maybe another touch. And then he'd go off to his workstation. And you you just felt good. Good. That was nice. That was really nice. Um, there are a few who were difficult. An old man, Jerry, who was just cantankerous. Uh, a younger guy who just uh, had been spoiled by his parents. I mean, and, and you understand why parents might spoil somebody because it's it just, it's sad to, to in the early stages, realize this boy is, is not normal. He's just, he's always going to need help in life. At what stage you realize that and then he'd be spoiled. And so he was always crying and whining because that's the way his parents had brought him up. And my job was to say, hey, Gary, when you know you have to go to the bathroom, you go. Nobody wants you to shit your pants. And you knew he was capable of not doing it, but he just, he would just, he'd, he'd just let go sometimes. And he felt like it because he, he knew somebody would be cleaning him up and putting him in the bath. And, and Amance, the scary one, the scary one, Amance. This is back at, I'm back in Toronto now, 1400 Shepherd Assessment Center. Huge, great big white house, two-story old building, which would have been, you know, a mansion at one point, and a man who just wanted to keep people at a distance, so he would always scare everybody by by saying he was only reading murder mysteries, and he'd say it in a really creepy voice, 
And then if his batteries ran out on his Walkman or whatever he had, he would just hurl them down the hall and, uh, you know, high speed. And he was, he was a bit of a dame. I was glad he wasn't mine. I didn't have to look after him. And somebody else, a woman had him and she did a good job with him, but, uh, he, he knew the game. And another one who called me a four-eyed monkey, he had cerebral palsy and a couple of these, you know, big aluminum canes, which he loved to swing at people if he was angry. And he was often angry. And uh, I remember him calling me a fucking four-eyed monkey. (laughs) He might have worn glasses too, but uh, I guess it was his way of dishing it back. Somebody had given him a hard time. So there was, it was a... You felt for them, oh, and finally Gary, Gary, Gary. I have to end on Gary because Gary sat on the stairs. As I mentioned, a huge house with sort of a a staircase in a couple of different levels. And there'd be a platform halfway down or a flat area where Gary would set up his little record player and put on Gene Autry, I swear this is true, and just sit there, and Gary from there could see everybody going in the main front door, coming out, each counselor as they came in. And partway through a shift, you just wanted to sit with Gary in his happy little Gene Autry space because it was very comfy and very safe and very calm, and uh, Gary was one of the, the happier ones. And he created this little this little space halfway down the stairs. And you felt, oh, this is so nice. Thank you, Gary, for being a kind, gentle human on this planet. And I guess this is, wow, where do you go from here? Like, what's a world without, not just without these people, but without the parents and the caretakers and the people who love them, looking after them? Because, I mean, that is what makes us. Special. I, I read somewhere talking about the end of the dinosaurs. They died out because they only lived in a competitive world. They never li- learned to live to work together. Now, I bet you sometime along that, uh, along the way, that wasn't true. There were probably teams that learned how to hunt together and pick on one prey. But it was such a beautiful, awful, ugly, terrifying, cruel, nasty world. Uh, and when you think of the compassion humans have for animals and um, humans with special needs, it's a wonderful thing. I'm very grateful. I had those. I realized earlier on I didn't have any training other than my Bachelor of um, Arts Psychology major, so I get hired but I didn't have social work, I didn't have skills, I didn't have the proper training. And it was odd because in those days, I am talking about, uh, well, 40 years ago and more, 40, 50 years ago, you could be hired, with that, that was enough. They would train you on the job and you would have to bathe these individuals or get them into a shower and teach them to wash and sometimes have to help. And, um, you know, I mentioned the administering meds and, um, and deal with their, some of their issues and problems, seeing that they were properly dressed and and not hurting each other and not stealing (laughs) lots of, lots of things, but wonderful work. But I realized unless I went back to get some kind of further certification, there was really no career here. And I didn't, I, I liked the 
on-hands job. I didn't want to be administrator. The people who were doing, who had got promoted and sat in an office and really were cut off from actually working with the people, they, they were miserable. They, they didn't, they, they came into it because they wanted to work with people and then found themselves as administrators and managers and got cut off from the very thing that uh, they wanted to do. Uh, that was the only way they could get a full-time job and, and a decent salary. So I skipped that, and somehow, fortunately for me, I ended up in uh, teaching. And um, here we are. So there we go. That's uh, the, That took the length of my coffee. My God, here we are. It's only Friday. This is the day I'm normally putting out a podcast, and I'm already one-third of the way through. Those guys are still fucking jumping up and down on things and... Uh, the one guy giving orders and the other guy doing it. And there's, it's not like we're dealing with somebody whose subnormal intelligence needs to be told what to do. No, there's a guy in training. And um, I guess it works for them, but uh, God. All right, Scarborough Dude. Hope you enjoyed that little ramble down memory lane because, um, yeah, it was all triggered from that one little boy going by. I, I should be thanking him. The world is a better place when you have people like that in it, they are not all aborted uh, in the early stages. Um, gosh, I guess that's a topic I didn't really want to get into. Uh, and is that the future? Would there be? I, and people have talked about that. That it is a real issue. Will there be a world when there are no more Down syndrome uh, births? Scarborough dude, signing off. Bye for now. You say you will love me If I have to go You'll be thinking of me Somehow I will know Someday when I'm lonely Wishing you weren't so far away Then I will remember Things we said today you say you'll be mine, girl, till the end of time. These days such a kind girl seems so hard to find. Someday when we're dreaming, deep in love, not a lot to say, then we will remember things we said today. I'm just the lucky kind Love to hear you say that love is love And though we may be blind Love is here to stay And that's enough to make you mine Girl, be the only one Love me all the time Girl, we'll go on and on Someday when we're dreaming in love, not a lot to say, then we will remember things we said today. Me, I'm just the lucky kind, love to hear you say that love is love, though we may be blind, love is here to stay, and that's enough to make you mine, girl. Love me all the time, girl We'll go on and on 
to say that we will remember things we said today. background a little bit. I, I'm not a creep. Um, I suppose I've been creepy at times. I, I remember being out with a group of friends and one girl telling her boyfriend that I was staring at her. I, I was. She was beautiful. But, you know, that's, for some people, that's creepy. <sighs> okay, new place. It's Sunday morning. I've decided not to attend church today, so we got to make this clip really special to make up for me meeting or missing out on my spiritual quota for the week. <sighs> I'm at uh, Morningside Park, and I'm about to take a walk. Um, you know, it's uh, not quite eleven. Sunny, beautiful day. I just needed a, uh, I needed to get out while it was sunny, and um, we've been here before. It's nothing new. The first stop, of course, was A and W for my coffee. You heard that, and um, it's tasting better today, fresher, I guess. Like it's not been sitting on the burner for too long, and maybe that's because it's uh, you know I usually don't get them this early in the day. So, uh, who knows? I still love the system. Bam. I park just out in front, push a button. It's automatically ready. Tell them as a, at the drive-thru, oh, yeah. And we're done. That, it just doesn't get any simpler than that. Uh, for the month of March. After that, there's going to be a drop-off on uh, me drinking A&W coffee because I'm not going to pay for it. So, where are we at? This is tuned to uh, Naoko's default station, Q107 Rock. Um, she just gave a quote that uh, Tiger, well, I was going to say Tiger Woods. No, the other Tiger, um, Tiger King, I guess, uh, is writing his book, 300-page book, and, uh, you know, the Tiger Roars or something like that from his prison cell. <laughs> sad, sad, crazy, crazy story. I mean, I that series was entertaining, but these were some fucked up people, and uh, it was so 
American. And, you know, I know, whoa, 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 I got all American listeners. You're going to back that up, buddy? What do you mean? I'm just saying that kind of story wouldn't have happened in any other country in the world. With that kind of people and the idea of having your own, you know, private uh, wild animal kingdom, it just, it was nuts. And I know famous drug dealers have their own, you know, rhinos and everything else that are now running wild. And Okay, here's the topic. I have to get rid of it because I, I can't even read about it. I can't look at any pictures. I just, I have to flash by. You know, there's anything that involves cruelty to animals. I just click, oh yeah, go away, go away, go away. I don't want to read it. I don't want to know anymore. I just know what's out there. And uh, this is about dog fighting. And I do not understand. And it, it's just, okay, here's the thing. There's a, there's a line. And human beings, I'm thinking men in particular, who can get enjoyment, and maybe it's the thrill of gambling that they're really excited about, and they just don't even care. The dogs, the, the pain and the cruelty is secondary. It's whether you're going to win. Did you bet on it? It's like cockfighting, too. You know, did you bet on the right one? Are you going to make some money? And and that's the worst. It's fucking subhuman, goddammit. It's just so fucking awful. And I know you can't say it's subhuman because it's human. They're doing it. It's humans doing that. It's they haven't risen above the level, there is no compassion. Compassion is our only hope. I'm not, I'm not faking this. I just, I just get, I just, I'm just so angry when you, when you hear about people hurting. It's hurting other people. I mean, the stories of human trafficking, people who just don't have it. It's missing. There's something in them that's missing. They don't get, hey, don't hurt. Don't hurt people. Don't do it. And I know we can just broaden that out there and say, hey, well, what about people who don't have enough food? What about people living in the streets? What about the mentally ill? What about the, you know, poverty levels? What about, you know, all these other things? You, you just got to keep extending it. And yeah, compassion goes out in all those directions and all those ways. It's what we need. And, you know, you think, well, let's look at our religions. Fuck the religions, because they don't show compassion. God and the, the flood, I'll drown the fuckers, you know. Go, kill your son, show me how much you love me. Do this, do that. Wipe out non-adherents, idol worshippers. It's just, it's all so fucked up. And, and it's, it's, you know, when you're in survival mode... Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna eat fellow humans, and hopefully after they're dead, or you've put them out of their misery in a kind way. You know, you don't know until you're in a point of survival. I just like to think that I would just let myself die. Here, eat me. You know, I I just don't want to live in in a world that involves such cruelty. Ugh, let's get rid of that. But it's just, I saw something somewhere, a passing reference, dogfighting, and I just had to skip. I don't know where it came from. It just, oh, don't show up in my feed. I don't want to know about it because I know it's real and I know it exists and I know it's hopeless to try and rescue those dogs. And, oh, 
it's like it is like evolution. It's like going back to these these prehistoric monsters that lived on the planet. That just it was only about survival. It wasn't even thought of as cruelty. It's just I gotta fucking eat. There's one. I'll eat that. You know, but this is this is beyond that. This is no, 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 no. This is for entertainment. This is for amusement. You fuckers. So how do we move past that? And is it is it you know this church service? I'm not going to. It is all about compassion. It's not. I mean, there is no mention of Jesus or God, but it's about how do we be better humans. Who are we calling out for? Who are we caring? Who should we know about who is hurting and suffering? How can I be a better human? Those words of commitment that I've I've read on here before, I don't have them memorized, but it's, you know, about being a friend when in, when in times of need and being not afraid to ask out for help when you need it too. Those things. Ooh, there's a cardinal. Ooh, what a beautiful cardinal. I don't see many of them. Just absolutely beautiful. That just bright red bird. It's just so cool. Oh, how nice. How nice. Um, all right. So I think I'm going to end that. I'm going to take a walk. I'm going to bring, bring the recorder with me because I'll probably sit in a bench and talk some more. But uh, I needed to, um, to just to get started here. All right. Scarborough Dude at, uh, oh, I don't even think I announced it was Morningside Park. Ooh, there's a sign that doesn't look good. Get tick smart, and it's showing ticks. <laughs> Ooh, they're such ugly fuckers. Um, Yuki, by the way, I, I don't know if I mentioned that my cat was not well. She slowly seems to be the on the road to recovery. She was out for an hour last night, slept on my bed, but she hasn't for a long time. Uh, has just been sleeping alone and recovering and just a cold, but really took away her energy and everything else. And it's just nice to see because I did not want to have a trip to the vet to find out what are all the possibilities. Let's do blood tests. I'll tell you how much it's going to cost. And it wasn't just about the cost. It was just I don't want to deal with serious issues where, because I, I know I'll say it now. I've talked about cruelty and compassion, but I would not pay a thousand dollars for a treatment for that cat. I wouldn't want it to suffer. I'd say this is a cat that found us. We've given it a wonderful five years of its life. Um, if there is suffering ahead, please put her down with an injection gently. I will cry. And uh, I will wait a while. And then I will keep my eyes and ears open for a cat that needs a home. Maybe an older cat that nobody wants. That is what I would do. And uh, maybe that doesn't sound very compassionate because I know I have friends out there who are spending thousands on their pets. And, um, well, that's you and this is me. And if that sounds like a contradiction, um, maybe maybe it is. I I don't think so. I just don't want a cat to suffer. Uh, But I also don't want to prolong its life through treatments, injections, special medications, pills, um, at all. This is this is a wild, frisky, wonderful cat. And uh, I've been <laughs> worried day and night about her um, and just glad to see that she's sort of 
seems to be recovering now and uh, came in, meowed in, into the kitchen and demanded my wife give her brush her with her favorite brush. And she rolls on the floor and absolutely loves it. My wife gets down on the floor in her pajamas and just rolls. And it's, it's like a, uh, a weird kind of hairbrush, long plastic uh, teeth. And uh, it's a roller type. And she absolutely loves that. It's a sheer joy. Ecstasy, you know, the way a cat can just show you. This is what ecstasy is about, folks. The here and now. All right. Speaking of the here and now, i got to get out for a walk. Scarborough Dude signing off. A ding, a ding, a ding. Bye for now. Okay. Get set for some whining. I don't want to do that to you. I mean, I, I should be focusing on this immediate feeling. And this immediate feeling is, is one of those that I just love. It It nourishes me. It's the feeling of the sun shining on my face. I'm sitting in the road trek in the passenger seat facing back in the driveway. And at this time of day, it's just after four. The sun is at the top of the street. And you get a lot of light this time. And it's just so nice. And I haven't felt this warmth uh, in the driveway for a very long time. And it just makes me feel, oh, yeah, how good it's going to be to get this road trek out on the road and do some camping and park someplace nice and sit in the sun and, you know, your morning coffee and your afternoon beer and your evening wine and little fire going and uh, look at a beach. I just, oh, I need, I need that. I need that soon. But uh, I haven't booked anything because I just, I, you know, I the idea of having to pick a date and say, okay, here, this site, this weekend, or, you know, better to do it during the week. I'm not ready for that yet. I, I, I love the spontaneity and uh, you can't always have that when you're dealing with an entire province of people who also want to go camping. So anyway, uh, it's just now, in this moment, it feels good feeling that sunshine coming in. And uh, it's time to get this thing ready. I've, I've laundered or all the towels and things. And it's, yeah, i got to clean it up and get it so that I could just, you know, get in, toss in a bag of clothes and... Uh, head off. It's never that easy. It always takes at least an hour to, to get this thing going, but yeah. Anyway, the issue at hand. A $622 vet bill for basically for nothing at this point. Well, no. They threw in a complimentary <laughs> nail clipping, which I have not been able to do myself. This is for poor Yuki. <coughs> Yuki has been out of sorts, and I, it was clear something was wrong. Just sleeping a lot, not no pep, not running around, not chasing me, biting my ankles, uh, just not herself. And then past few days not eating, and uh, it, it's been a worry. And so I booked an appointment with the vet. Couldn't get in yesterday, Monday, got in today. And... Um, she started to show a little bit of just improvement. Like, oh, she ate some of the wet food last night and again this morning. Oh, okay, she wasn't eating at all before. 
Oh, she's drinking. She's back to drinking her water. I love to watch her drink water. That lap, 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 lap. They do it so quickly. Um, so those are good signs. Maybe I should just cancel the vet and see what happens. Well, I didn't cancel, and that's why I've just paid $622. 500 of that is towards blood tests because, oh, she may have pancreatitis or another one, a, a tri one, which means three organs, or hepatitis is a possibility. Otherwise, very healthy, lovely cat. Um, I did laugh at the vet's comments. Uh, she sort of phoned me the diagnosis while I was sitting outside waiting in my car, because you can't go in, and said, now they warned me this cat was just ferocious, and and I couldn't believe it. She was so calm and and relaxed. And that's a sure sign. Wow, yeah. Because normally when I drove her, put put her in her little box cage and drive her, she's just crying the whole way. What the hell are you doing? Let me out of here. And this time she was silent. And so, yeah, something's wrong. There's no question about that. But as soon as you hear blood tests and then you think, well, what's that going to lead to? So I made it clear, look, there's no surgery involved. We're, we're just, if, if something here is some recommendation is surgery, this cat's going down. I didn't put it quite that way, but we don't have that kind of money. And she understood, and she's going to pass it on to the doctor tomorrow who owns the vet clinic uh, and let her know that. But what's probably going to happen is they're going to diagnose one of those things, and it's going to involve medications, which are going to be. And I said, so there's more hundreds of dollars. Well, not, well maybe it might add up to that. <sighs> So I think I earlier said I'm not, I wouldn't spend a thousand dollars. Well, I, I was really talking about surgery. <laughs> if these things add up, like it was a hundred for the overall, the vet visit, you know, the um, what do you call it, a, a checkup, then the four hundred for the blood test. It's you know turnaround twenty four hours. Well, yeah, okay, I get that, but and then I'll have to see what's next tomorrow. Um, and uh, so meanwhile, she came home, and by the time she's home, she was angry, like snarling. And uh, I bought her off with a few little treats, and she was eating those, another good sign, because she wasn't eating at all before, and is now back up on my bed, sleeping, and uh, still a little bit annoyed at what I have done to her. But uh, we'll see. So anyway, yeah, my grumble is about... Jesus, 600 down. And the thing is, about the blood test, like I could have just paid for the $100 and said, well, just tell me, you know, is there anything? And she said, well, we didn't feel, you know, we didn't feel any lumps or anything like that. No growth, nothing, nothing unusual. But her urine was a bright color and maybe. And, you know, my son's saying, yeah, well, that's because she hasn't been eating, you know, and drinking enough. And so it's concentrated or whatever. And I tend to agree, but you have to buy in. Like, they took the blood sample, and then you have to give the okay to have the test done. And there's a part of me saying, well, why? But it's it's like you're trapped. Because you think, well, if I say no, just, you know, keep the blood or throw it out, whatever. But I don't want blood tests. Just tell me if there's something you can see that's wrong. And otherwise, I'll just let nature take its course. And, of course, I couldn't do that. So you're trapped. All right. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'll pay the 500. And now 
tell me tomorrow what's going to follow. So anyway, I, I'm I, the focus, of course, for all you loving people out there, you people who just love your animals as as I do. And you all pay. You, you just you know the game. I just needed to grumble about it a little bit because you know <coughs> my wife will too. <coughs> I tell the vet, look, this is a stray cat we adopted. You know, we, we're not putting in. You know, we're not going down for surgery. Yeah, I understand. Don't worry. Uh, so it means I'm I'm embarrassed to say this because I should be saying, oh, I love that cat so much. It doesn't matter. It's only money. But no, it's not only money. Uh, the good news is, at the same time, a, uh, a letter came from the government telling my wife that uh, next year she can apply for Canada Pension Plan, which she's paid into, and get a, a monthly uh, amount. Not much, but something. <laughs> which is good. Which is good. <sighs> so, I guess that's it. Maybe I should just sit here and enjoy the sunshine and... Uh, Never mind whining anymore about this. It's just, you know, I don't remember my, 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 in the old days, you didn't take your, an animal to a vet unless it was injured in an accident or needed to be put down because of obvious pain. Now it's, it's a new, it's a new, it's a new game. And yeah. I should say, I think on an earlier clip, uh, maybe from um, Morningside Park, I said, I talked about compassion and, uh, you know, wanted to rid the planet of people who don't have compassion for animals. And yet here I am, a meat eater. And I know the the horror of a slaughterhouse for pigs, for cows, for beef, you know, um, beef, you know, cattle. And if I was truly compassionate, I would be a vegetarian. And and so this, I, once again, I'm just owning up to my hypocrisy that you know, before you, anybody else can call me on it, let me just say it myself. And and if it was easy, like when I've been away at weekends at a meditation weekend or something, and they only serve you vegetarian food, I'm quite happy. Or if I went out for a restaurant and oh, okay, wow, here's some tasty choices, and there's no beef. Or pork, or even chicken. Draw the line at fish, but um, yeah, I could. That'd be fine. So if my household was suddenly turned into a vegetarian household, I think I could accept it. But I'm certainly not going to do it on my own, or nor am I going to insist that uh, my wife and son um, adopt this lifestyle. So yeah, hypocrisy, you know. You say all these things, you want a better world, but uh, how much are you willing to do to make it that way? Scarborough dude, God, slightly embarrassed and shamed, but uh, so be it. Signing off for now. I'm going to sit and uh, enjoy the sunshine. Bye-bye.
That's a much better ring. I had uh, wires and things underneath the bell, which numbed it, numbed its sound. So listen, I like to uh, usually comment on things that are in the news on this podcast, just to give it a little bit of uh, historical context. And uh, the big news was uh, Meghan and Harry, I'm sure you know who they are, being interviewed by uh, Oprah, and that being televised on uh, American TV and then repeated in England, and the fuss, the fuss, the fuss about all of this. So I'm not going to just ignore that. I have the feeling... Of all the listeners, let's say there's 30 listeners to this Dixon Jane's podcast, everybody would have a different take on it. There'd be anything from, I don't care, to, uh, oh my God, think of the poor queen, you know, and, and all the things in between. Um, so, in summary, we'll get back to my, um, we'll, we'll go into a little more detail, but just the, the conclusion, for those who just want my answer right now, is, uh, and I'm quoting here from the, um, the palace, the, uh, the, a source in, this alice, in the palace. The source also suggested that a conversation between the royal family and Meghan and Harry should have taken place privately to address the issues raised by the couple instead of a broadcast interview. And I agree. I, I don't think, I sort of, I was, I talked to my brother today and I said, well, I can see Meghan and Oprah having a conversation. You let them. They're living in America. Let them go. Let let them have a conversation. Prince Harry should not have been included in that. Now, some people say, wait a minute, that's her husband, and he's by her side, and she was the one feeling she was being driven to suicide or had suicidal thoughts, and of course the husband should be included. Then I'll go back to the original statement. Well, then nothing at all. Just don't do it. You know, buck up. And... It's like, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, as I examine it, because, you know, one of the things about me that I don't like is I am very often influenced by other people's opinions. I'm swayed. And then I hear a different view and I think, oh, yeah, okay. And so sometimes you, you don't even know what you really feel about something, what's right and wrong, because there's so much noise going on, so many other, uh, so much interference from all kinds of other sources. I mean, well, wait a minute. What do I really think about it? So here's what I think. They married it. She married Harry. She had to have known what she was getting into. Um, and there were going to be difficult times. There were going to be clashes. It's going to be a very hard thing. But grin and bear it. That that's I think that's what it comes down to. Hey, that that's the deal. That's part of, you know, what, that you signed up for that. I think what bothered me the most about it was the accusation of racism, and not saying who, but somebody within the family. So you can think, well, okay, maybe it was Charles, somebody, and the way it was done, it was very vague. They're not saying who. It wasn't the Queen. It wasn't Prince Philip. It wasn't the grandparents. But that leaves the parents <laughs> or a brother, you know. But somebody raised the issue of what, almost like what color will the baby be? How dark will the baby be? And she, it was very vague. I should have her exact words here, but raised the issue about the color of the baby. 
And that was, of course, right away. Oh, they're racist then. And I'm going out on a limb here, but I'm saying raising issues about what color the baby will be is not necessarily racist. It's a natural thing, and I'm saying that because I married a Japanese woman and something I was always curious about and people might ask about without me accusing them of being racist was, oh, well, I wonder what features your children will have. What what part will be like you and what part will be like Naoko? Will they, will they look Japanese or will they look, look more gaijin, you know? Uh, <laughs> I was I never knew the answer to that even after my children were born it was I remember it was only that one time in Winnipeg in a park looking up at my son and say oh yeah I can see you look Japanese it's interesting I, I that that may sound silly but the issue being that of course people are curious when you have inter inter uh, intercultural interracial marriages these questions are going to arise. That doesn't make the person who's asking a racist. So we don't know the context. And to immediately conclude, somebody's a racist because they're thinking, well, maybe that baby will be too black to, you know, it, it just won't reflect well on the royal family. I think that's, I think that is a complete stretch, and I don't think that's necessarily at all what happened. I think it was... She was being very sensitive. She's a mother. She's felt like she wasn't being supported. Uh, she probably, there probably is. I'm not saying there isn't reason. There probably is some, especially within the royal household of the people. We talked about the family and the firm. And I think that's important. The family being Queen Elizabeth and her children and descendants and so on. And the firm, which is the suited people who run the monarchy, who basically run the household, deal with the press, and, and the, keep the business of the monarchy going. The gatekeepers, the same when, you, if you ask anything about the royal family, uh, the imperial family in Japan, uh, that has brought, that has broken people because of the, this is tradition, you can do this, you can't do this. Um, you know, Megan talked about, you know, right away they take her passport and her phone and stuff and like suddenly she's a prisoner. You can't leave without permission. You can't go out. You just can't go out for lunch with your friends. We have to approve this and that because of all the optics of everything. That's part of the deal you signed up for. Now they've opted out. Okay, good. They don't want to be in it anymore. They don't want to play that game. All right, well, find a way. But you can't have it both ways, you know. And Charles, or um, what's his name, Harry, worried about, well, now they're not going to give us security. i got to pay for my own security. Well, nobody has a whole lot of sympathy as far as the money goes because they will do well and they will have their millions and uh, they will be looked after. Nobody's going to be kidnapping their their second baby or the first. So, I don't know, did that satisfy you? Was that that too wishy-washy? Will I say something different next week? Um, I think good. You, Harry made a choice. He married and, you know, and, and I under, you you have to, I, here's the part that bothers me. A lot of people just see them as royalty. And, and that is like, it's like seeing, oh, I just see them as black or Chinese or whatever, not the individual humans that they are or the circumstances of their life. And anybody who thinks, oh, it's easy, you know, you've got servants, that is just so ridiculous. You're born into a into a straitjacket. It is very difficult 
And here's, you know, him and his father, Charles, the people who learned to fly helicopters and who, yeah, of course they had teachers and were given lessons. But they did all this stuff. They, they've been through a lot of shit. It's not easy. It, it, this wasn't just given. They're not just some spoiled prince who snaps his finger and asks for more grapes. Although they could probably do that. Um, this is, they, they've, they're human. They, they're, they're feeling pain. I mean, you know, he lost his mother in a horrible way, in a horrible stories afterwards. Um, he's feeling pain. And I think Harry's biggest complaint was, Hey, surely my father knows about that kind of pain. Why isn't he taking my calls? So here we are, the whole world talking about it. And why are we talking about it? Because, well, they chose to make it public. They, they put it all out in the open. So, I, I mean, I could go on for another half hour, but I, my sympathies, I dearly love Queen Elizabeth. I have great respect for her more than any other political leader that I know of. And um, I think, sadly, when she passes, and she's probably just hanging on because it's not ready, uh, you know, nobody else is ready to pick this up. Nobody even wants Charles to be the king. Uh, I think we'll wear it well when the time comes. Uh, they'll do fine. They're playing the game. And that's probably because he has less imagination than his brother Harry. Uh, and can wear the straight jacket. Um, gosh, I was going to go on something else from there. Oh, oh, damn. There was another thread that tied in to uh, Queen. All right, we'll have to leave it at that. So, um, uh, no point in me asking what you think. Because this isn't a talk show. This is just me. Yeah, it's a talk show, but with one talker. There's no call-in line. Phones are ready. Give me your opinion. Um, yeah, the sadness of Diana. And again, she was somebody who was probably broken by it, but she, she probably shouldn't have spoken out quite the same way either. But somebody will say, hey, wait a minute there, buddy. These are fragile people, and uh, they needed help. Have some sympathy. Yeah, I think that was where I was going. Having some sympathy, some empathy, some understanding. This has not been an easy life for any of them. Scarborough Dude, signing off for a second time from the Road Track. Bye for now.